Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they show it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted. By Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Good evening, everyone. Matt Perino here, joined as always by Ryan Talbot. I am inside the hallowed halls of Soldier Field in Chicago, Illinois, where the Buffalo Bills, your Buffalo Bills, just romped the Bears 41 to 15. It was the Mitchell Trubisky revenge game uh, that probably couldn't have been scripted any better. I mean, it went about as well as it could go. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you as always by Tops Friendly Markets. I mean, this is the favorite time of the show for a lot of people that watch regularly. So, you know, Tops loves local. Tops is proud to partner with over 200 local growers to supply Tops with their freshest homegrown fruits and vegetables. Produce pick this morning can be on your table tonight. Ryan Talbot, start me off here with your biggest takeaway from today's game. Well, I'm going to start not just with the biggest takeaway, but the biggest winner, in my opinion, today, Matt. And it's not anyone that was on the field. I think it's Brian Dable. You know, once again, this was someone that you and I thought late into last season was a goner, was a head coach candidate, was going to get a job somewhere, was linked to that Chargers job. He goes into Chicago with second team players for the most part, obviously some starters early in that game. And in the first half, it's touchdown, 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 touchdown. They finally uh, get off the field, and then it's field goal, field goal, just in the first half. Again, with some backups in that game, and you look across the field, and there's Matt Nagy, who looks just overwhelmed in a preseason game, someone that's on the hottest of hot seats. I just think that we could come back maybe, uh, uh, not a year from now, but uh, at the end of this upcoming season and say, you know who's going to be a really good fit for that head coaching job in Chicago? It's Brian Dable, and the fans are going to remember that performance that he put up today on that offense side of the ball. Somebody commented, what's up with uh, Perino's weird baritone sedu- seductive voice? <laughs> we Yesterday was my birthday, and so we went um, we went pretty hard yesterday. We went to the Chicago Bear or the Chicago Cubs game, uh, went out to dinner at uh, Lou Malnati's here in Chicago. So I think just the day of, you know, activity, the voice is a little bit weird. So, you know, hang in there. Deal with me. I, I we got a lot to talk about. We're going to get into all of it. Let, while I have you, though, on the topic, um, and, and I want to get into more of Dable there because I think that that's an excellent first 
talking point, and I have a, a little piece from the game today that I want to get to. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. Subscribe as well. We're growing this channel. We still got a couple, you know, they're not technically training camp practices, but I think that we still are able to attend all of practice. So we'll have observations for the next three or four days before the, the Packers game. So definitely uh, st stay with us. So seductive. That's kind of funny. Um, so, <laughs> so that's all. Look over to the comments. It's hard not to laugh. I was down in, uh, we were waiting for Sean McDermott and some of the uh, players that we, we'd already gotten a chance to talk to, Deion Dawkins, Isaiah McKenzie, Mitch Trubisky had already gone and we were waiting around and one of the reporters from the, from the Chicago side of things kind of looked over and asked me how to pronounce Dable's last name. And just the, there was a sense of awe that I saw in a couple of Bears reporters' eyes in what Mitchell Trubisky came in and did in this game. And Ryan, we're not even talking about Mitchell Trubisky with Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders and in front of Mitch Morse and Daryl Williams, who is a borderline all-pro player. We're talking about, you know, a bunch of backups, you know, guys that, you know, are, are fringe roster players in uh, like a guy like Jake Kumro, who we, we agree that we think he's going to make the team, but a guy that, you know, getting into camp, I don't think anybody had him in Sharpie at that point. So I think this this performance and this offensive um, operation that Brian Dable has built here, you can't say it enough. I mean, it's it's almost – I don't want to say player-proof because I really think that their due diligence that they do – Sean mentioned it today. Dion mentioned it today. Who they go out and decide to bring into the group, I think that's a big part of it. But having that guy at the at the helm that's able to execute, Sean McDermott said today he wants to give credit to Brian Dable for having all three teams, first team, second team, third team, ready to play today and showed. Yeah, he, he deserves a ton of credit. And one of the things that I saw throughout the first half of that game, there were two words, coaching matters. And, and it's the absolute truth. Brian Dable has, has this offense where you can plug players in, whether you're talking – quarterback like Mitch Trubisky today, whether you're talking slot wide receiver like Isaiah McKenzie instead of a Cole Beasley, you can plug players in. And once they have a knowledge of that offense and once they feel comfortable in it, they generally shine. The offense generally looks pretty solid. So Brian Dable deserves a ton of credit. And, and you know, I'm not trying to scare the Bills fan base in, into thinking that they're going to lose Dable, but sooner rather than later, it's going to happen just because he is such a brilliant offensive mind. You look across the, the way at a team like the Bears, a young quarterback in place already in Justin Fields, which could be appealing to him. He just through all of his experience, Matt, because he's he's gone through some highs and lows in his career, like any coach, uh, being with the Browns, being with the Patriots, being uh, in KC, obviously Alabama, he's gained all that experience and he's learned from every stop of the way, not just those good places like New England where he won multiple Super Bowls or Alabama, but even those bad stops where maybe he was too run heavy at that time with his game planning. And he's learned and he's built this offense up he is just a brilliant offensive mind, and, and this team was just firing on all cylinders today. Somebody brings up a great point in the comments about you know how much is Trubisky struggles in year four or in four years in Chicago. How much of that is on Nagy? And I think you know a, a big chunk of it. I mean, he was billed as this uh, you know elite play caller, somebody that can develop a quarterback to come in here and do that kind of thing. And I think that that's why it's such a tricky situation when you're trying to pair the young quarterback with the 
play caller or the head coach. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people say, all right, you get Justin Herbert. You could have gone out and gotten Brian Dable, but you went out and you got um, a defensive minded coach in, in Brandon Staley. Well, any way that they would have gone would have kind of flown in the face of what happened with in Buffalo, where the coach and the GM were in place before they got the quarterback. And I think that, you know, you have to go out and identify in year one, if you're Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, all right, we have a problem here. Rick Dennison is a, is a real problem. We need to upgrade at that spot so that when we do land on our quarterback, we can put that guy in the position to make that, um, to, to make that player and build that player into what we want him to be. Now in Staley, they have the player in Herbert. So it's about what do they put around and we'll see what they can do out there in terms of the offensive play caller. And, you know, I think just diving into all these different scenarios and how it works. And, you know, we got a reclamation project kind of in Indianapolis. If Carson Wentz can get back pairing him with Frank Reich. There, I, I feel like there's no perfect blueprint to it. Like, I, I think that sometimes you'll, you'll arrive at success in different ways, but I think what the bills have done uh, and, and what we saw today in the way that Mitchell Trubisky played and let's get into Trubisky now hmm. is, is just a, you know, it, it shows how good things are in Buffalo right now. But I, I want to dig into to Trubisky a little bit here because I think it's interesting that it wasn't anything they asked him to do that was extravagant. You know what I mean? They weren't asking him to hit really tough throws down the field in dangerous areas. They asked him to go ahead and hit a bunch of Bills playmakers that are good at getting open, hitting them early, hitting them in stride, and then letting them do a lot of the work. And you saw Isaiah McKenzie today, seven catches to re lead all Bills receivers over 70 yards. Um, we'll get into the muff punt and, and some other things in a moment. But, you know, he spread it around to 10 different receivers and got everybody involved. And I think because of how good the offense was going, it opened things up for the run game. And that was my first observation after Mitch today. Both Zach Moss and Devin Singletary look ready to go. Yeah, that, that one-two punch at running back looks very promising. Uh, after the first preseason game, Matt, we were talking about Devin Singletary and that explosiveness, and he was averaging over five yards per carry. Now, mind you, he didn't have as, as many carries today in this matchup. I think he only had two, in fact. But fourth down and one from the 14-yard line, and the Bears sniff out the play. They, they pretty much have it dead to rights. And what does Singletary do? He waits until just the right moment and cuts it uh, and, and gets past a few defenders and goes 14 yards into the touchdown. That's that explosiveness that uh, I feel like we hadn't seen in the last few years. He, he's shifty. He can make guys miss. But changing into the extra gear, we hadn't seen that. That's exactly what he did. He, he's going on the left side of the field, and all of a sudden, boom, he cuts, and he's just upfield, and, and he gets past those defenders 14 yards into the end zone. Zach Moss, some really good runs, some really patient runs, uh, one that was broken free thanks to a really nice block from Reggie Gilliam, someone else that we can talk about here, uh, who had a nice role today as the fullback, and then even in the second half, more of a running back type role just because they're down so many bodies of that position. But, that yeah, that one-two punch looks very promising between Singletary and Moss. Um, obviously they're going to ride the hot hand week to week. There's going to be games where they do a few series with one guy, one with the other. So, you know, if you're big into fantasy football, you don't necessarily want to have either of these guys, but if you are just a bills fan watching these guys run, it's a very encouraging sign to date. Do you get the sense that, I mean, I think Devin Singletary has had it going in these first two games. So I think it's really easy to sit here and say that, 
that Brian Dable was going with what he said all along. He's been riding the hot hand. Now he only had two carries today, but do you get the sense that Devin Singletary in these two games has established himself as maybe the one A at least in this situation? Or do you still think it's going to be, you know, they may come out game to game and it might be Singletary getting the ball first or getting Moss? I get the sense right now, and correct me if, if you think that it's different. I get the sense that there's a, a little bit of an aura around Singletary and maybe that he might be the guy that at least gets first crack of it uh, early on in the season. No, I think I do agree with that just because, again, Moss was being eased back this offseason after a serious injury. He missed some time recently with a hamstring. And mind you, it was a very minor injury with his hamstring. He was back for this game. But you have to kind of keep all that in a vacuum in terms of this offseason leading up to week one. Singletary's been healthy. He put in a ton of work this offseason, gaining some muscle to his frame, working on that speed and explosiveness, and it's shown to date. He's received nothing but praise from this coaching staff. I think week one, that first offensive series of the game, you're probably going to see Singletary out there. And if he makes the most of those opportunities, he could see the the bulk or the lion's share of the carries in that opening matchup at home uh, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, does that mean that Moss isn't going to see the field at all? Absolutely not. He'll get his touches. He'll get his carries. uh, But from what we've seen so far, I think Singletary will be the starting running back in week one. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's get uh, to the to the both sides of the line. I want to start on the offensive line because I thought there was a lot of interesting things to dive into. First and foremost, somebody asked about Deion Dawkins. I'll give you my impressions of that. We'll talk about him. I want to talk about Spencer Brown. But before we get to any of that, I thought that in the third quarter, you know, the Bills have a, a an interesting conundrum kind of on the like bubbling up a little bit on their hands in terms of what they have on the roster as you get into the real deep depth uh, part of it because I thought that it was – it was a bit unfair today to Jake Fromm that by the time he got in there in the third quarter, the offensive line that was in front of him was was just terrible. And, you know, Bobby, how much more can you say about Bobby Hart at this point? He's not a very good football player, but it's getting to the point where it's like, who are you going to put back there with him? I mean, even when Davis Webb came in the in the game, he had that one moment where he got hurt. It looked like he maybe went in the locker room in a mo- for a moment, came back out. We didn't get an update on that. Jordan Devy has, has been really bad in camp, and he had one play today where he almost got Jake Fromm killed. And, you know, we saw how dangerous of a situation it could be, be on the other side of the ball, Andre Smith coming free on a blitz and, and protection breaking down, and Justin Fields just absolutely eating one. We were talking about it uh, on press uh, row here in the press box uh, about how we thought it was probably a, a clean hit. I mean, it, he did kind of lead with the helmet, and that was the first thing that hit. But I don't know, man. It was It was really close. But I think this is a real problem at the depth spot. And now with Spencer Brown dinged up, Tommy Doyle dinged up, you may have to bring in more offensive linemen. I don't know if it's bringing guys back that you already had on the roster. We already talked plenty about Kalen Beninock. I don't know if that's the answer. But you might have to go out there and scour through and bring a couple bodies in because numbers are going to be low here. Yeah, it's just like the running back position. It's been beat up, and it was beat up today in this game. The the numbers are low, and you don't want to go into this next game, one, having to play Deion Dawkins too many snaps. You you want to ease him into this lineup so he's ready for week one, but you don't want him out there for the vast majority or, or any other necessarily starters across this line. But you're right, it tackles specifically Spencer Brown, who, by the way, was outstanding today when he was on the field. Big shout-out to Brown for his performance. Uh, watched a few of those reps one-on-one against Khalil Mack, where he really held his own. Um, you know, he he exited the game. You mentioned Doyle. You really don't want to have 
um, Bobby Hart out there. So what do you do? So, yeah, there's going to be some workouts. There's probably going to be some signings. I, I know the Bills obviously have to make some cuts this week as well. But they're going to have to, to figure some things out here quickly. So that way in this last preseason game coming up against the Packers, they have some options to play out there. Uh, to also give those quarterbacks a chance to to show what they can do to really evaluate them. Now, I think you and I both agree the Bills are probably riding with two quarterbacks on this 53-man roster. But it also, as you pointed out, really wasn't fair today to Jake Fromm or Davis Webb with that line in front of them to get an evaluation. Webb made two brilliant throws back-to-back plays near the sidelines, but neither quarterback had an ideal line in front of him. He had some bad snaps. He had some bad protection. Uh, not what you want to see, especially in a game where the Bills were, were cruising to victory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harold asks, uh, when's fin- when are final cuts? And it, they are August 31st. It's a Tuesday, uh, which is a little bit strange. Traditionally, that it's on a Saturday. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll take care of that in a bit. Um, Spencer Brown was, was really good today. And uh, my wording probably had to be a little bit better when I asked Deion Dawkins about him in the press conference afterwards, because I said, you know, he was really holding his own out there going up against a guy like Khalil Mack, who is an all pro in this league. And, and he kind of stopped me and he was like, listen, I get what you're saying, but I wouldn't call it hold your own. I mean, Spencer, um, you know, whether it's Khalil Mack or whoever, he's just out there doing whatever Bobby Johnson is teaching him. And it's showing, uh, this is a direct quote. Now it's showing week in and week out. He's been bouncing back from left and right. Uh, left and right tackle, and I'm proud of him. He has no fear, and the kid is literally like a skyscraper, and he punches everybody, and he just plays ball to the fullest. Um, he finishes, and he's got the swagger, and I love the kid. He's been doing his thing, and I, I would put it more on his craft, which is helping him succeed, and that's all you need to do in this league. Big salutes to Spencer Brown. So, I mean, that's high praise from Deion Dawkins, who played the first two series today. I thought that he was – uh, really strong. I think that a lot of the success that Mitch Trubisky was able to have early on was kind of, a, you know, in part because of because of getting Deion Dawkins back. We saw how much more comfortable Spencer Long or Spencer Brown, well, Spencer Long, blast from the past, how, <laughs> how comfortable Spencer Brown looked at right tackle. You saw Ryan Bates, who I thought did a really good job stepping in for Mitch Morse, who got the day off. And then at guard, I thought we're, I think we're continuing to see Cody Ford play pretty well uh, John Feliciano there at left guard. So I thought that, that first team offensive line really set things up for them to be successful today. Yeah, the offensive line was great. Gave Trubisky all the time that he needed to make those throws. Trubisky, to his credit, was pretty much on the money. Uh, I, I want to go back and look at a few of those early throws to Kumaro. I thought maybe the first two passes to Kumaro were behind him. Kumaro had a clear drop on the next one that was thrown to him later in the game. Uh, and then obviously there was that Knox drop, but the offensive line did a great job of protecting Trubisky and going specifically back to Spencer Brown. Yeah, Bobby Johnson deserves a ton of the credit. Uh, some of those veterans also deserve some credit. But Matt, the next topic we're going to talk about, the other side of the the line, the defensive line, going up against some of those defensive ends, especially those young ones that really shine today, that's probably helping out Spencer Brown a great deal as well. Without a doubt. And what we saw today, I think, you know, you go to the stat sheet and bring it up here. The the Bears rushed 17 times for 86 yards, 46 of those. So more than half of those yards came on four rushes, scrambles kind of, but for Justin Fields. And so you're talking about a defensive line that's not only putting pressure on the quarterback, and we'll get into the two rookies. We'll get into A.J. Epines' big day. We'll get into Harrison Phillips, how well he was playing before he was hurt. And I thought Ed Oliver was really good fun little note on Ed Oliver uh, in case anybody didn't notice. Um, But I thought that it was twofold. They're pressuring the quarterback, which is what they spent so much time 
you know, um, trying to improve there this offseason. But they also want to be better against the run. And, and, and they were doing that consistently in both areas of the game. So that's really important. On Ed Oliver, did you notice that they had him a couple times rush as a defensive end? And I think that's very interesting because, you know, I think the one of the big pieces of this this year for this defensive line is how can they throw – I think the, the – I can't remember who tweeted it. It might have been you uh, about just like the, the waves – or no, I think it was Marcel. Waves and waves and waves that they're trying to throw at you. And, and the waves are coming at you in different sizes and shapes. And, you know, there might be one play where you're dealing with, you know, Ed Oliver on the edge and you have to deal with that quickness and athleticism on the inside of a Greg Russo or an A.J. Epinesa. I think the options for McDermott and Frazier are limitless. And today it was just about execution. And I thought that, you know, Andy Dalton got beat up today and he was running for his life at times. And they looked really, really strong. And don't – oh, by the way, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Star Latule haven't taken a snap this preseason yet. Yeah, defensive line was outstanding. And I like what you said there, especially about Al- Oliver playing at uh, defensive end today. Because we've talked for the past few weeks, FAO, Bada, and um, Boogie, both having the versatility to play outside but also inside. Well, Ed Oliver has the versatility to play inside most of the time but also outside. Um, you know, Epinesa, he's trimmed down. I still think he could play from the inside a little bit. Greg Rousseau could do it as well. So they can throw some really exotic looks, confusing looks at opposing uh, offensive lines, and I think they can really really utilize that. And all three of those young guys, they really shine today. First series of the game, you saw Rousseau get pressure, and that led to the uh, Dalton rolling to Epinesa's side, and that led to a throwaway on a third down play. Obviously, Rousseau gets a sack later in the game. Epinesa gets a uh, turnover on downs. He was responsible for just bulldozing the Bears' starting left tackle and getting to Dalton and, and forcing an incomplete pass. And then, obviously, I th- you could make an argument that the best one today was Boogie Basham. He had a few sacks, he had some pressures, he had some run stops, and he had a blocked extra point. So all three of those young defensive ends really filled the stat sheet today, Matt. Boogie Basham, like most of his work came against the second and third team, so put it in perspective. Mm -hmm. We always need to do that. And as the sun kind of peaks down here, uh, as the sun is setting here in Chicago, you might see me squinting a little bit. But Boogie Basham was all over the place. I mean, they were moving him around. He was causing problems. And even when he wasn't getting significant penetration, I thought he was in the right place at the right time. And he reacted when the play came to him. He led the bills with five tackles, had the sack, had two hits on the quarterback, two tackles for a loss. That's the kind of thing that you want to see from him. Now, I still think they're going to be in a situation once they get Addison and uh, Hughes back on the field. And I joked with uh, Sean after the, uh, after the game in the press conference, I'm like, listen, Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen, Jerry Hughes sitting on the sideline, Tredavious White, you know, probably having a lot of fun watching this because of how how good this team has looked without any of them. Is there a buzz about them? Like, what's the energy? And he's like, yeah, they need to get back out on the field. So I think he's ready to see what this thing looks like with the starters back out there. Um, but to see a guy like Boogie Basham, you know, I, I'm, I, sh- I wonder where he fits in. Like, I think he makes the roster, but I think he's also going to probably be inactive especially at the start, a lot like A.J. Abanessa was, because I just think there's too many mouths to feed on this defensive line now. No, I agree with that. I think on a week-to-week basis basis that they carry both, obviously they're going to keep Boogie. But if they keep Boogie and F.A.L. Bada, I could see those two kind of rotating between who's inactive, who's not. And, and maybe even with Daryl Johnson being just as far down the uh, – 
the depth chart, so to speak, at defensive end. He could be the one that's active most weeks just because of what he brings to the special teams unit alone. So you're right. As good as Boogie Basham was today, as good as, you know, he's flashing here a little bit more, there's going to be an odd man out from week to week. And in some weeks, it might be Basham early on in his tenure. But just like any other NFL team, there's going to be injuries throughout the year. And then it's going to be up to these young players to step up and make the most of those opportunities. But what we've seen specifically from Rousseau and Epinesa, really promising, Matt, because there's two veterans starting at defensive end in Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison, who are both one over 30 years old, both entering the final year of their respective contracts, and both players that the Bills probably want to keep fresh, so have them see fewer reps on a week-to-week basis. So if these two young guys can keep stepping up and showing what they can do, the Bills are going to have a, a nice problem on their hands in terms of getting each of those players out there for their respective amount of reps. Spend more time enjoying everything that summer has to offer and less time worrying about getting to the store with Tops Pickup and Delivery. Tops is the official sponsor of the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast, and we appreciate all you guys for watching. If you're watching on YouTube whoa, or, or um, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're at, thank you. But if you're on YouTube, hit that like button. Definitely hit that subscribe button as well. Shop for your groceries online. Choose pickup or delivery, and Tops will bring the groceries right to you. Visit topsmarkets.com to get started. All right, Ryan, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pull over. I'm gonna get out. We're gonna go to the rest stop here, and I'm gonna put you in the driver's seat for a minute. You take you take the wheel, my friend. Where do you want to go from here? Well, let's really quickly talk about uh, Harrison Phillips. I've seen some comments there. Harrison Phillips had another great performance, Matt, in my opinion. We talked about him last week in Detroit, how uh, the initial Bills depth chart had him on that third team as the third team defensive tackle. And you probably shouldn't read too much into that right now. I think there is an open competition going on. Uh, but he was one of many Bills players who exited today's game with an injury. So we kind of have to wait and see on that, see how he's doing. But I I came away really impressed with Harrison Phillips. Uh, First series of the game, a batted pass. He had a nice run stop in the second series, or he filled the gap at least to help create that run stop. So he's doing all the right things. And you mentioned even earlier this week how good he's been in practice and maybe from the first preseason game to now one of the best defensive linemen on this team. So when he was in there today, Matt, what did you think of Phillips' performance? He was great. I thought he got some really good push at the start. I think that you know they've been emphasizing these guys getting their hands up as they're rushing the passer, and he had that batted ball early on. I think really sent – got things going for the Bills defense in terms of getting Andy Dalton out of out of his rhythm pretty early. Uh, so that I thought that was a big play. And then you see the injury, and I, I think he's probably going to be end up being okay. It looked like he was walking around on the sideline, and I think they wanted to take it careful uh, or be you know be very cautious with it. I saw Justin Zimmer kind of walking around on the sideline, and then he came back into the game as well. Played pretty well, but mostly you know in the second half against you know third third teamers, and so. If it comes down to Zimmer or Phillips, I, I have not moved off of the line. I think there might have been a time in camp where maybe Phillips was struggling early or you know not standing out early that maybe I was getting on the Zimmer train when we heard from Sean McDermott. But I think as we sit here right now, I, I think Phillips is, is, is close to a Sharpie for me, especially uh, considering the inconsistency with Vernon Butler. Um, I think they're going to go board four defensive tackles. I think that they'll they'll save somewhere else. And I think if they do that, it's star Vernon or star uh, Ed Oliver, Harrison Phillips, and probably Vernon Butler. But I would not be shocked if Vernon Butler got cut and Justin Zimmer was that fourth DT. 
Yeah, that's interesting debate to have and to see which route they go. Now, the only, you know, the one scenario I could see is maybe them trying to get Justin Zimmer onto their practice squad. And I know last year, at least one other NFL team tried to sign him at one point in the season, hence why he was promoted to the main roster. But we've talked about this, Matt. The Bills are one of the few teams in the NFL that really utilizes undersized linemen. And that's what Zimmer is, Zimmer and Ed Oliver, for instance. So, Maybe they feel like, okay, at the end of the day, Zimmer's someone that, yeah, there's some tape of him out there making some good plays, and he's one of the glue guys, like Sean McDermott says. But of those names that you mentioned, he's probably the one that you could possibly get onto that practice squad, especially early on in the season. So I could see that scenario developing uh, just as you played it out. Uh, I want to kind of shift gears here, though, Matt, because last week after the Detroit game, we were talking about the young defensive backs on this team and, and not so much at safety, but at cornerback and how maybe some of them weren't impressing. I thought we saw some some really solid play, not just at safety again today, but also at cornerback. So both positions, some of these young rookies, uh, Wild Goose, Damar Hamlin, I thought they both stood up uh, and had really good games. Uh, obviously, Nick McLeod was another one. So Really nice response from some of these younger players. I thought Buffalo's overall draft class from first round to the end of the draft, and then a few of these undrafted free agents really played well today. Mm-hmm. It was Wild Goose for me that I, I thought that he was playing physical. Um, I, I think that he made a couple plays. I think he was out of position on one run play near the goal line. I'm not going to um, give him too much um grief for that one but I thought overall I thought he was contesting uh, McLeod obviously had the interception and um, it was kind of a funny play there was, was batted I guess the line by Vernon Butler it, the ball landed in the middle of three uh, Bills players so you know I, you got to give him credit he made the play but um, you know I, I just have seen him beat too much in practice and I think that that's probably something that's stood out to the coaching staff and and I don't think they're going anywhere yet. I think we still got two weeks before we see some of these guys go. And depending on what happens um, uh, in the next couple of days in terms of what kind of the severity of some of these injuries. I mean, you talk about six guys that went out today. Uh, Marquez Stevenson now, ankle and foot. Obviously, I think I I read that uh, the MRI came back negative, which is really good news. But, you know, how long is he going to be out and how does that impact things? So, We'll see how that how all these injuries transpire and then what the moves look like uh, here early next week. But I think in terms of, you know, what you're dealing with uh, in, in that secondary, I thought DeMar Hamlin played really well today. And and I think him getting the, the chance to come out here and start and be out there at the beginning of the game, I thought on plays when they went, when they spread out and he was forced to cover uh, a cornerback one-on-one, now he was really good. He was very uh, uh, in the moment when Tyler Minikavich popped that ball out. He was right there. He jumped on it. Those kinds of things add up. But at the same time, and again, this is tough because we weren't – I'd like to ask maybe Sean about this tomorrow. On the Saran-Neal play, and that's who we're going to get to next Mm because I want to get into that play because I I lost a little time in writing today because I got into it on social media about that play. (laughs) But we'll get into that in a second. Um, I thought that, you know – Hamlin was probably should have been in position to help Saran Neal on that play. There was no help on the backside. 
and it was one-on-one. And I think that's why I kind of was a bit critical of Saran Neal. But I think overall, DeMar Hamlin getting these reps with, you know, keeping Micah and Jordan on the sidelines, these are valuable, valuable uh, reps that, you know, a guy like Dane Jackson didn't get last year as a rookie because there's no preseason. And so now I think DeMar Hamlin set up to take that fourth safety role. I think they probably think they can, they can get Josh Thomas on their, on their practice squad. Um, you know, I, I feel like those fringe safeties, you know, they're, they're not they're not changing teams too much, especially for a guy like if, if the team wants to keep you and keep you on the practice squad. But let's transition because I want to get into the Saran Neal stuff. This was my tweet. Let me read it out uh, and we'll go over it, because if there's anybody watching that took issue with it. Um, I'd like to explain it a little bit. Um, all right, here we go. Bring it up here. Saran Neal with a bad beat there on an island against Rodney Adams, 73 yard touchdown. Receiver got some separation. Neil can't recover. He allows a catch and then has the missed tackle, allowing the touchdown. Not sure he's an answer at backup outside cornerback, which I stand by. I still think that, you know, I, I think in a pinch he can play there. And I think that they want to get a, a bigger look at him in the preseason because if they do go in with um, just uh, Dane Jackson, Tredavious White, and Levi Wallace, they're going to need another answer if they get into a game and they suffer two injuries. But I want to get into the play itself. If you go back and watch the replay, I was wrong in the tweet in that, um, you know, he didn't recover. He did recover, actually. I thought he got beat at the line of scrimmage. I thought there was some quickness. There was a juke move, and Adams got some separation immediately. Neil closed the distance really quickly, and he got back. He ran stride for stride with him down the field. But because he got beat at the line of scrimmage, he was forced to not be able to turn his head at the last moment to try to make a play on the ball or at least get a better idea of where the ball is. He ends up diving for the ball, and in that moment, as he's coming down, Adams makes the great catch, give credit to the receiver. He's not able to tackle him. He runs for a touchdown, and I think in that situation, you've got to find your way and put yourself in a position to make a play on the ball, and he did not do that, and that's where I took issue. Now, I had people tweeting at me, Ryan, saying it was it was great coverage. You give up a 73-yard touchdown, it's not great coverage. There were elements of it where I thought were impressive. I thought that Saran Neal getting beat initially and getting back in the play and putting himself in a position to at least have a chance at that play, great. But it was not great coverage. Let's not be silly. Let's let's put the, the homer takes to the side. That was not great coverage. No, and I saw you kind of uh, some fans getting into that, and, and you nailed it. He was beat off the line. There, there was an uh, he was beat initially, and I'm sure that's what Dalton saw as well before he unleashed that. To to his credit, like you mentioned, though, he made up the ground. He got there, but because he had to make up that ground, he was not able to turn his head around and know where the ball was and if it was coming in. He did reach his hand out to try to break up that pass, but because he didn't turn his head around, it was just kind of mistimed. Uh, it, it wasn't in the right spot at the right time, so there, there was enough room for that ball to go through, and like you said, the tackle was then missed, and, and then it was a long, long touchdown. At the end of the day, did it matter? No, the Bills were rolling comfortably at that point in the preseason game, but it matters for Saran Neal because the Bills want to have some confidence in him if there are injuries at cornerback. Yes, he's one of their most important special teams players. There's no denying that but they have to go into this season feeling good about the cornerback position. And I think they feel good about the starting lineup with, with Trey White and who we both believe now to be Levi Wallace starting across from them. I'm sure there's confidence to a certain level in Dane Jackson being, being able to come in and play some reps as well. But if there's an injury, especially if there was ever an injury to Trey White, 
Uh, and, and then you have to maybe rotate Saran Neal in from time to time, give Levi Wallace or give Dane Jackson a little bit of a rest here and there. I'm not sure how much confidence they would have in that just because of the struggles that we've seen. He's had some bright moments on this defense. I thought in the first game against the Chiefs, he was really good when he was matched up against Travis Kelsey. But there's a big difference between a, a tight end like Travis Kelsey and wide receivers on the outside that can can burn you like that off the line. And today he did not have that initial uh, first step correct, or maybe he just kind of misread what the receiver was doing because he was beaten clearly off that line, and he had to spend a lot of that, the rest of that rep, trying to catch up to the receiver. Almost 350 people watching us live right now on YouTube, Ryan. That is mm. impressive. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, this was a fun uh, game to cover. We're not done yet. We're still going for a little, little bit more. I want to get into a couple more things. Um, but hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. If you're just getting here for the first time, we're going to be live after every game. We'll have a pregame show. Once training camp is over officially at the end of this week, we will get to uh, some more uh, interview-based podcasts. Uh, we'll get some local media members here to react to the preseason, react to training camp, give you some thoughts as we get closer to 53-man cutdown. we got some other ones that we're planning. So hit that subscribe button so you always get a notification when we go live. Let me post a hypothetical here. Uh, not even a hypothetical, but you know, let me just post this up in here and, and see what you think. So Marquez Stevenson has the, the kick return for a touchdown today. Uh, obviously, Isaiah McKenzie had the muff punt earlier in the game, and I'm actually writing about it as soon as we're done here for the site about what Sean McDermott said about how impressed he was with him, so much so that he gave him chills during the game because it was a moment that I'm sure Sean was frustrated with Isaiah McKenzie. The you know, first punt of the game, he muffed the punt. He obviously is able to recover it, but that's a that's a tough moment. What does he do? He recovers. He re, you know gets himself together, and he comes out there and he makes a ton of catches. Uh, leads the team in receiving, impacts the game in another way, and then comes back later in the game and has another good punt return. But I want to talk about Stevenson because he has this unbelievable kick return, punt return for a touchdown, seventy nine yards. I mean, flashes everything, the high end stuff that people talked about him during the draft process, and that's now two weeks in a row that he has made big-time plays. That fourth-quarter catch last last week was a big-time play. I think, barring any setbacks with health, he's he's inserted himself firmly into the conversation to the point where I don't think you could sneak a guy like this on your practice squad. I think teams are going to be poking around if you cut him. If they keep him, what does that mean? Seven receivers or cutting a guy like Jake Kumro? Because I think already Isaiah Hodgins, depending on what's going on with that knee, He's he's in a tough spot. I, I don't think he's making this roster health healthy or not. So does Jake Kumaro, does he become the, the the odd man out if you keep Stevenson or is he too good? You got to keep seven receivers. I'm going to go with the latter in that hypothetical. I'm going to say they're going to have to keep seven wide receivers and, and figure out, uh, you know, where that cut's going to come from elsewhere. Now, obviously, the x-ray did come back negative on Stevenson, but we still need to see the severity of the injuries are going to keep him out for some time. Uh, what does that mean for his roster odds? But you're right. I, two weeks in a row, he's made some a big play in the preseason. The catch, uh, the 42-yard catch in the first game against the Lions uh, was obviously a crucial play. It was fourth down and 10 with the game on the line. And, and then the punt return today was unbelievable as well with him showing that extra gear, which is what the Bills liked about him when they drafted him. Now, mind you, when he fielded that punt, there was no one around him for a solid 10 yards. So, he didn't have to beat that initial guy. He, he was able to kind of use that open field to his advantage, but that's what good punt returners do. 
Uh, I, I think he's put himself in the conversation. He's put himself in the mix to say, listen, if you try to sneak me out of the practice squad, there's some film of me out there now as a wide receiver, first and foremost, but also as a return man, where there's a lot of teams looking for speed in today's NFL, and that's what I provide. So it's going to be up to the Bills to handle these tough decisions. Could some injuries impact this? Yeah, we're starting to see other positions, so maybe it allows them to get some guys on or cut some veterans initially give them the handshake deals like they did last year with Andre Roberts and Dean Marlowe and say, listen, you, you know, we're going to cut you initially, but we're bringing you back on a roster the next day when we move so-and-so to the IR and we put someone on this list and that. Uh, but it, it, again, we've talked about this, Matt, uh, Brandon Bean gets the big bucks for a reason. I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes on cut down day because there's so many tough decisions to make. One of those tough decisions. Let's get into this guy before we get out of here. Mr. Reggie Gilliam, he was up at the uh, podium today, got a chance to talk a little bit about his experience. And, you know, it was his birthday yesterday. He didn't know that he was going to be the featured running back in the fourth quarter. But how much of this game, in your estimation, goes toward Gilliam making the roster versus I think he might have had a spot already locked up, and this just kind of puts the cherry on top. His versatility, Ryan, is so important. He could play tight end. He could play fullback. He could be your lead blocker. He can carry the ball. He can carry the ball and be trustworthy with the ball in his hands. He could be your goal line back. And oh, by the way, he could probably be one of your two or three best special teams players. You know, I think this is a guy that he's just a roster lock. I think they love him in the, in the room too. And if he becomes a roster lock, that really makes, you know, what we're talking about here with this wide receiver position, defensive, uh, line and linebacker makes things way more complicated i agree uh initial 53-man roster projection i had gilliam making it i listed him um uh, among that tight end position so pretty much he he was brought on because of the tommy sweeney injury we we still don't know long term how long sweeney will be out but he was in a boot um the, the bills could keep him as your hybrid fullback tight end just like he was last year uh, he, he was shifted over to the tight end position at some point in the season last year. Uh, and this year he's listed as a fullback, but he can take on both roles. He can be that guy that runs out and, and runs the routes and, and can create some separation with his athleticism. But like you said, he can block, he can run with the ball. Two carries around the goal line today, uh, both resulted in touchdowns. Now, so, someone I saw on social media say, well, maybe that's good news for uh, the Bills not running Josh Allen so much around the goal line. Well, listen, this is the preseason first and foremost. They, they believe Allen's a, a weapon around the goal line, too. They're not going to necessarily go away from that. They're going to give him his carries, his opportunities. But, yeah, there, there's something to be said about having trust in a player to get that tough yard. The first run, Gilliam was stoned at, at the line, and, and he bounced off that initial wave of defenders and even his own lineman and bounced it out. The second one, he got the tough yard and, and rushed in. He, he showed some uh, good ability to run with the ball today as well at a 12-yard gain in the fourth quarter. After he got stopped for a four-yard loss, he had, a, a, I think it was a seven-yard gain on the next play. So uh, w- when the defense knew they were running the ball to try to, to run the clock out on that game, he still had some production as well. But yeah, versatility. The more you can do, the more likely it is that you can make this roster. He had some praise last month from the special teams coach. Uh, so I, I think that they know that he is an asset to this team. He's someone that they want to find a spot for on this roster. 
I'm seeing uh, a comment that's come up a couple times here. Did anyone else notice a problem with how Brita nonchalantly coasted into the sideline on what should have been an easy touchdown run? I mean, it was close. I thought it might have been a touchdown run anyway, but I mean, I don't know if that was the takeaway I had from that play, Ryan. The, the takeaway I had was Brita, who's you know kind of this speed guy, right? He he. he breaks a pretty significant tackle attempt there in the middle of the field, breaks it outside, kind of re regains his balance. And then kind of, he just has a smooth way of, of running with the football. And I think it was more that than him, maybe, uh, you know, the speed not being there. I thought that from the moment he caught the ball to the end of the run, when he was running, it was all kind of in sequence. It was all kind of, you know, in, in the same kind of speed. So no, I didn't have an issue with, you know, him at that sideline. I think he was, he was trying to make a touchdown there. I think he saw some open, some open room, and I didn't have an issue with it. Yeah, you know, he catches the ball on the right side of the field, and he crosses all the way over to the left on that play, dodging defenders, breaking a tackle like you mentioned. If anything, you know, when they go back and look at the film, they probably would tell him you should have the ball in this hand. If you're going toward the goal line, you could have broken the pylon. Uh, it was pretty clear on TV that he did not cross the goal line there, and he just kind of ran out of bounds with it. But at the end of the day, they were it was then first and goal from from the one yard line. So you, you can have a lot worse scenarios. Maybe he was afraid if he tried to cross the threshold there that it could get knocked away, and then that could have led to a touchback uh, in the worst case scenario. So you know we'd have to hear from Brita his reasoning, but he he clearly didn't cross the goal line there. But I wasn't really necessarily you know, upset about, it. I doubt the coaching staff was upset about it, or they're going to have much to complain about. Probably just one of those plays though, that if he could have it back, he put it in the other hand. So it could go over the pylon in the right direction. I just noticed this tweet. Um, uh, Alexa Ross tweeted it out on August or August 19th, a couple of days ago when we talked to Matt Breida uh, at the end of the week in practice. And he said, um, I'm excited for Mitch to go back to tr Chicago yeah. and show them that they made a mistake. And Matt Breida <laughs> responded to that with a couple of the, these emojis and said, told you. And I, I think that one of the cooler things to come out of today, as we close up uh, this show, uh, our second post game show shout edition uh, preseason game uh, of the season is they have a really like people all the time ask me like about the bills, like, when I'm, when I'm talking to people outside the market or not even in NFL circles, like how are the bills going to be? Like, are they going to, are, are they going to be able to kind of keep the momentum going? They're going to be as good as they were last year. And what I think has been the most impressive about this is they continually find a way to bring in guys that fit the mold in the room. And, you know, I think that's impressive. Like a, a third string running back who's been around the league, like, this is his third team now in three years. And, you know, he's what does he care about Mitch Trubisky? Really? Like, you know what I mean? Like you could probably think that, but you know, these guys gravitate towards each other and they kind of come out here and they want to make plays for each other. And Isaiah McKenzie said it about Trubisky too. Like he threw me the ball. When I got the ball in my hands, I want to make plays for him. And that's the kind of culture that they've instilled here. And so that's pretty impressive. And, you know, <laughs> to, to have Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs be on the sideline, and your offense put up 34 points in the first half against, you know, a good chunk of time where the, the Bears had starters out there. What what more can you say, Ryan Talbot? Yeah, strong offensive performance. But in, in terms of the players they bring in, 
they know the right ty- types of players for this offense, defense, special teams. They, they know the right personalities because these, these players, they do care about one another. Like you said, what you know? why is Breida out here saying he can't wait to have Mitch prove them wrong? And after Tariq Cohen, uh, Tariq Cohen put out something yesterday saying, don't boo Mitch, Isaiah McKenzie had some kind of response to it on social media saying, oh, don't worry about that. Pretty much like we're going to handle it. We're going to make sure that there's no, you know, that he puts on a show and sure enough, uh, McKenzie was the most important uh, receiver to Trubisky today. And, you know, they, they just go out of their way to step up for one another and to, to have each other's backs. The, the closeness in this locker room is obviously something that's pretty special about this team, special about the culture that they've built in Buffalo, that being Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and, and the rest of this uh, front office and coaching staff. They've done a really nice job of, of having the right mix of talent, but also the right mix of character. A little Saturday night shout for all of you Bills fans. We'll have one more Saturday night shout next week after the Bills play the Green Bay Packers. Almost 400 watching right now. You guys are awesome. Hit that like button. Make sure you smash that subscribe button as well. And we'll make sure that you get a a notification every time we go live. We'll have a bunch of shows this week. Uh, Who knows? Maybe we'll even throw in uh, a a staple show on Wednesday night, uh, set up an interview or or something. Uh, We'll see. You know, get back to Buffalo, Ryan. We'll, We'll figure something out. Yeah, sounds good to me. And like you said, smash that like button like Andre Smith smashes quarterbacks that uh, with no one in front of them. So go after it, Bills Mafia. Smash it. All right, Top Fresh Burger Bar with over 30 varieties of beef, turkey, chicken, plant-based, and gourmet blend burgers ready to grill. Tops Fresh Burger Bar, it's got you smiling all summer long. Get to the burger bar. Somebody somebody tweeted that to me yesterday like uh, – uh, they were they were getting ready for the game today, and they said maybe you gotta go check Burger Bar. Go check it out. It's always stocked. It's got all the good stuff. I saw it the other day when I went in. They got Weber's mustard. They got uh, the good relish. They got all the good. The they got the Costanza rolls. You can't beat it. All the fixins. All the fixins for Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. We'll see you next time.